Ready. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. Uh, happy Mother's Day. We've got uh, all sorts of different things that are fun throughout both services that have to do with um, some of the critical aspects of motherhood. Of um, Our children sang in 9 o'clock. Our step program is about setting up a home, about providing a place for people to get settled and reduce their anxiety so that they can uh, get a job, so that they can um, pick themselves up in the workforce and our text today is about um, a positive attitude in the name, in the face of very difficult circumstances. And so we've got a number of things, I think, that, uh, and of course, baptism, um, which uh, really truly celebrate uh, parenthood and motherhood. I had about 20 mothers growing up, and they all were entirely responsible for me getting this far and somehow surviving my adolescence. And I'm grateful for all of them. Before I do any of the announcements, I want to introduce Renessa Fernandez. Vanessa, if you'll stand up and see the big smile. I love, love, love the smile. It's not just a smile, though. She's not playing. Renessa is, uh, is a teacher at Chandler Creek. She's been a teacher for 26 years, but Chandler Creek for 15. She teaches music there, and any of the people that we've come across have said, oh, my goodness, you've got Renessa at your church. That's amazing. She also was a choir director at um, John Knox Press uh, for almost a decade or more. And um, uh, all those people, including Caroline Robertson, spoke two weeks ago uh, as part of Greer Relief. Um, Caroline was at John Knox, and she came down the aisle with me, and she went, oh, Vanessa, I love Vanessa. And so um, we're looking for someone who knew exactly what they were doing, who could sing the part themselves, but also had a smile and a, um, a southern accent that could sell the thing, the hard thing that they're telling the choir to do, which I am entirely grateful for. I saw her do it in the first five minutes. And... Um, um, uh, Renessa and her family are going to see. We'll let the um, y'all do the final choir thing, and I'd like you to come out with me and your family. Uh, if y'all will stand, Paul and her two sons are here uh, as well, and we're grateful to have them. And if y'all, Kenna Owens, lots and lots of emails, lots and lots of texts as the chair of staff Harris. And Kenna, I want to say thank you to you and to our search committee. And if y'all will welcome uh, Renessa to our church. Um, we also have the Reverend Kathy Jameson Ogg. She's a superintendent in our conference. There's 12 district superintendents uh, in our church, two of which are children of people who regularly attend on their 11 o'clock service on the same pew. Um, Susan Kathy's in Columbia, and Susan Leonard Ray's in Anderson. And the story goes that our district superintendent and those two got together in a corner, and I came to Memorial. And I'm grateful for all of that. And so, Kathy, yeah, Kathy, welcome. Let me go so quickly, because I know y'all have uh, lunch reservations. Um, we have exploring membership classes every first Sunday, and we encourage you to come. It's very simple. You just learn more about the church, learn more about other new uh, members in our church, and learn about membership and what uh, Memorial tries to do within being a uh, United Methodist community. Um, for those of you considering joining our church, we have a large group joining next Sunday. And we encourage you, if you would like to do that, you can call or email us and join as well. Um, we uh, just ask you, uh, we want to make sure that you attended one of the classes or will attend the next one. If you 
cannot next Sunday. Of course, every Sunday is an opportunity to do that. We continue our mission and worship theme uh, today. Uh, this month and um, last month, uh, we had a mission agency every Sunday from each uh, from the Greer community. And today we have the STEP program. Uh, Reverend uh, Bob McQuaid uh, will speak to us. Bob and his uh, wife, Bobby, teach on Sunday nights, every Sunday night to our adults. And Bob's going to talk to us about the STEP program. He's been terribly uh, um, involved in that and doing great things. Two dollars um, from each church member. I asked uh, for this two weeks ago, and today is your first opportunity. You can do it um, in the next couple Sundays. We'd like you to give two dollars for every member of your family, and they'll go to a tremendous thing. One dollar goes to um, Epworth's Children's Home. Epworth is an agency in Columbia that takes children uh, that do not have a solid home life and gives them an opportunity to pick themselves up, get some to class, get some solid food so that they can um, start to build a solid life. One dollar will go to Epworth Children's Home. The other dollar will go to Imagine No Malaria, which is a conference-wide uh, fundraising uh, effort as well. And Imagine No Malaria is uh, all kinds of efforts, including nets, to prevent mosquitoes from biting children in Africa and giving them malaria, giving them an opportunity to succeed as well. One dollar for each agency from each of you will do a tremendous amount for both agencies from our church, and I encourage you to do that um, either today or in the next couple of weeks. I believe that's it. Let's begin our worship service. Thank you. 
Please stand as you're able and join us in our first hymn, of which we'll sing verses 1 through 4.
please join me in affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to turn to page 39 in your hymnal for the baptismal liturgy. People outside the United Methodist Church we run into all the time say, now you Methodist ministers, you move, right? That's, that's it. That's, that's what they know. Not knowing that it has to do with um, the conference thinking what's best for the entire conference. What is best for our entire body? And they also say, now y'all baptize infants, right? Not really knowing why. Not knowing that it has to do with the prevenient grace of God. Love that goes before us. Love before we ever responded. And love that we all pledge to give to the one that's being baptized. You as the congregation participate in this pledge today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Anne Corley Septon for baptism. I'll stand right here. So they can see you. There you go. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you both, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you respect, accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? We do. We nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. We do. Congregation, we now turn to you, and you participate in this promise not only today, but in the days to come. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? We do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include Annie now before you in your care? With God's help, 
we proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround Annie with a community of love and forgiveness that she may grow in her service to others. We will pray for her that she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. If you look at number 10 on page 41. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth life. In the days of Noah, you saved those in the ark through water. And after the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness that throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Let's see. What do you think? Yeah. 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 Let's say It's the practice in um, baptisms to not say the name of the baby because we're all in the same family together. So I'll say Ann Corley. Ann Corley. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you don't understand love, but we adults really struggle to understand it ourselves. But we're all going to make a pledge to participate in this promise with you. Mm -hmm. We're all going to participate in the love that's been pledged to you before you were born by our God. Okay. Y'all <laughs> put your hands on her. Miss Annie, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's look at number 16. And I'm going to throw in the whole Septon family. Members of the household of God, I commend the Septons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church, 
by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us into eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. mentioned to you all throughout April and May that we have a guest speaker in every service for a service agency around uh, the community and today uh, we're going to hear from Bob McQuaid from the STEP program. Come on up Bob. I first heard of Bob and Bobby when I toured the church in May and saw a very sophisticated grid on the wall that they had used to teach and I would like to hear what that grid was about. Good morning. I'm Bob McQuaid and I am the program director of a new homeless shelter that is about to open by the soup kitchen in Greer. There was a preacher who was asked what his preaching style was and he said, I tell him what I'm going to tell him, I tell him, and I tell him what I've told him. They didn't get it. So today I'm going to tell you three different things. Ten things that you thought you knew about homeless people. Number two, five things you ought to know about STEP, the homeless shelter. And thirdly, two ways you can get involved to serve homeless people. But before I do that, I have a verse of scripture. It's from Jeremiah. The Lord told Jeremiah this about a certain king. He said that king depended on, uh, defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. And this is the phrase I want you to remember. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? To care for the needy and the poor? That's what it means to know me, says the Lord. Ten things you thought you knew about homeless people. You thought they live under bridges. They live in vans, cars, cheap motels, and church basements. You thought they are disheveled men who drink cheap wine and eat out of garbage cans. They are families with children who eat at the soup kitchen or miss meals altogether. You thought they inhabit the slums of large cities. They have moved into the suburbs. You thought they were visible under bridges and on street corners. They are invisible, under the radar, in your town. You thought they prefer welfare over work. They are working, but they can't make enough to make it. You thought they were all on drugs or alcohol. Some are, but many are clean. You thought they just wanted to live off the government handouts. They want to live free and provide for themselves and their families. You thought they deserved the plight they're in because of bad choices they've made. They didn't cause the economic crash that left them without a job. 
They're not responsible for the companies that move to Mexico or India, leaving them with temporary low-paying jobs with no benefits. You thought they are uneducated and stupid. Many are graduates. All are street smart in ways of surviving in a just getting by world where you and I would be lost. You thought they hang out in homeless shelters and move from town to town. Well, some do, but many want a hand up to get to a better place in life. Secondly, five things you all know about. Step, the family homeless shelter about to open near the soup kitchen in Greer. It is under the auspices of the Board of Daily Bread Ministries that has been serving meals to people every day for over 20 years. We plan to open the shelter the first week of June. It has four apartments where participants will live while participating in a 12-week nationally acclaimed program called Getting Ahead in the Just Getting By World. The goal of STEP is to help people reach a better place in life with a sustainable job, a safe, affordable place to live, and hope for the future because Jesus is in their lives. STEP does not ask people, what can we do for you? But what do you have and how can you get to a better place in your life? The construction and operation of STEP is fully funded by contributions. There's no indebtedness and all staff persons are volunteers without pay, including me. Finally, two ways you can get involved in this important ministry. One, volunteer as a facilitator, a specialist, assistant director, file person, or church recruiter. I'll train you. Two, give a lot or a little. Every dollar, every dollar you give will go directly into helping step make a difference in the lives of homeless people in our community. Thank you. I'm here, I'm available to talk with you, your group, your class, or your place of employment. Oh, the sun 
for today is from Psalm 88 verses 1 through 9. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the death, with the dead. Like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who, you, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends. You have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for the psalmists and their brutal honesty. 
their total sharing of the emotion that they're feeling, whether it's joy, sadness, inclusion, or abandonment. And as we hear the text this morning of a person calling out to you desperately and feeling completely isolated, we ask you to help us to remember that you are present. And just as we have felt that isolation and wondered if anyone was present, help us, Lord, remember that you are. And as we focus this morning, Lord, on step, help us to understand that there are those outside of our sphere who have deep concerns over everyday things that we take for granted. Help us to make these scriptures alive for us that we may truly understand. We pray for those who have traveled uh, for all sorts of reasons for Mother's Day, and we pray for those who have lost a loved one since Mother's Day. We ask for your presence amongst them. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings, and also your opportunity to pass the attendance sheet to the outside of your pew. If you would like us to contact you, if you're a visitor, if you'll give us any form of contact that you prefer, and we will try to contact you that way.
Please be seated. Picking the scripture passages for this series has been one of the most unique things I've ever done in picking scripture in 16 years of ministry because they're all sort of related, but also uh, fairly different. And so I thought as I was looking for a pass, two passages that would capture this theme today, I thought um, the psalmist reaching out, crying out, saying, I'm not sure if anyone can help me, but I'm reaching out to you. And then our scripture, and then the uh, second lesson, which is Philippians 4, which is Paul saying, do not be anxious. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and it's on page 1830 in your Bible, or a couple pages within that, if you'd like to follow along. And if you uh, are the type that reads along the whole time, I encourage you to keep your Bible open, because I'll read different parts. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds of Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first thing I want you to notice on in that text is a phrase, do not be anxious about anything. Does that sound feasible? I started thinking about the types of people that have told me that in my life, and it's been different types of people. But if you reflect briefly upon someone who said to you, don't worry about it, I'm sure it's fine. Like maybe when you were late and your friend said, don't worry about it, your parent, it'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. Or when you wreck or damage the family car, and your friend that encouraged you to do whatever the thing was, and he said, don't even worry about it. You'll be fine when you get home. Nobody will even care. Or when you're in business and the deal feels sort of sketchy, but sort of okay, and someone in the office is saying, don't worry about it. They won't even check that. It'll be fine. Two guesses about the person that's saying this. One, likely they instigated whatever that thing was. And two, they won't likely be there when you're having to deal with it with whomever is upset. I had a great friend in high school um, who's total man of integrity, awesome person now. Um, but when we were going home one day, he, we were pulling through the neighborhood and we saw a um, political sign and he said, let's take it. All right, let's, let's take it, whatever. So he stops his car, he pulls out, he pulls the political sign out, throws it in the trunk and starts to pull towards my house. And for some reason, my father's out on the steps at 11 o'clock at night. There's no reason for him to be out on the front door just looking out. He never does that. I'm just th I'm, my guess is that we were later than we expected, and he expected to be out there and see whatever happened. My friend, when he sees my father on the steps, just keeps going and just plays it off like we're just some other group of people, like he doesn't know his car, and just keeps going. Goes home, gets his mom's car, brings me back in his mom's car, and says, uh, don't even worry about it. It'll be fine. My dad isn't outside on the steps this time, and I come up, I, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm okay. And he's at the top of the stairs when I get there, and he says, so why'd you change cars? <laughs> oh, man. He knew. 
he he was a real estate agent my um, teenage years he could be anywhere he could spot you from half a mile or better he wanted to constantly make me aware that he knew wherever I was this is different this isn't some uh, sketchy person saying we're gonna we're gonna do this thing and it doesn't even really matter nobody will even check the author of this is Paul and he's writing from prison Paul wrote the book on crushing Christians, how to try to eliminate them. He was one of the best of the best until he was converted. And when he was converted, he knew that he had to say the things that Jesus wanted him to say in the places that Jesus wanted him to say it. And he knew that there would be people like he was before that conversion who were waiting for him to say it so that they could throw him in prison, so that they could try him, so that they could execute him. He's in prison. And in prison, knowing these realities, he writes a letter, and in that letter he says, do not be anxious. That's powerful. He understands the weight of humanity and everything that's going through. His life is at risk because of what he has said and what he has done, just like John the Baptist and Jesus before him. But in that moment... His mission is transcending his emotions and his selfish tendencies. Now, I'm prone to say in that moment because I think, you know, like every human being, there are times when we can't rise above our emotions and our feelings. We just have to do want what we want and just tell people that we want that thing regardless of the situation. In this moment, though, he understands the weight of his actions and he wants to say to people, do not be anxious because of what's happening to me. Continue to do what you're doing. In 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a letter from prison. He wrote it to ministers who thought he should just, can you just settle down? It's a little crazy. It's hard out here. Can you just settle down? Things aren't that bad. In that letter, he said, there have been more unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham than any other city in this nation. These are hard, brutal, and unbelievable facts. And on the basis of these conditions, leaders sought to negotiate with the city fathers. But the political leaders consistently refused to engage in good faith negotiations. That's best case scenario. They don't want to negotiate. Worst case scenario, they're going to threaten and take his very life. But in that moment, his mission, his purpose, is transcending any fear he might have, any negativity he might have, any reason that he might want to be selfish. In that prison, he says, this is what matters. Later on in the letter, he said, individuals may see the moral light and volunteer, voluntarily give up their unjust posture, saying, you know, if, it's, if you're just talking face to face, a person might get it and might relent. They might realize that they have advantages that other people do not. But as Reinhold Niebuhr has reminded us, groups are more immoral than individuals. Does that make sense? Groups make worse choices than individuals do. Why do you think teachers, parents, church staff, whenever a group of people is leaving their uh, campus in their name, to go and have more freedom than they would typically have around more kids than they would typically be around. Why do you think they say, 
Let's make good choices. Let's make good choices when you have this freedom, when you're around other people who could easily influence you. Martin Luther King Jr. knew that he had to say what he was going to say despite the enormous crowds that were against him. In this positive letter that Paul writes to that church in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. He wants to make sure human, human beings don't think of the opposite of all those things, which we are prone to do. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, he says. It sounds like he's saying goodbye. It sounds like he's saying he's got a couple more opportunities to share this message with them. And he wants them to understand whatever good thing you've ever seen me say or do, try to do that thing. And the God of peace will be with you when you go. So he says, put these things into practice, what you've heard. Isn't that one of the hardest things to do? It's easy to understand what to do to have a healthier um, uh, physical body, emotional well-being, Christian walk. It's e the concepts are easy to understand. But to do them can be rather difficult. But there's differences between um, Paul and Dr. King and ourselves now. Our great impediments are not imprisonment. They're not trial, they're not death. If we reach out to help people in a way that they would not previously be helped, we will not be imprisoned, will not be put on trial, and will not be put to death. Ours is a faceless, uh, groupless thing that can silently get us, and it's called apathy. And that apathy can be on both sides. The individual that has not received help, like in the psalm, can think, I don't know, I don't think there's anything we can do. The group, when they see those people, as Bob was saying, here's what you figure it is, and here's what it actually is, here's what you figure it is, here's what it actually is. They can say, I don't know if they can help those people, and uh, apathy can harm us more than anything. But what I love about this community, and the reason that I decided to talk about this for two months, was the great generosity and spirit and planning strategy and uh, wisdom that's gone into these agencies that surround us in helping the community. I've learned it on the second day, and I learned something new that our community is doing for the community every day. So while Neuber said groups can be more immoral than individuals, they can. Groups can be more powerful than individuals. That's what I was saying, you know, one dollar in one direction, one dollar in another direction from this group of people can be a lot more powerful than one person. Groups have the power, if they get past apathy and have a spirit of excitement, can do special things. The STEP program has promised to go before these individuals and reduce their anxiety. The things that make us anxious are little things. The things that make us grumpy are little things in comparison. 
When people worry about whether they will have power, whether they will have food, whether they will have shelter, the anxiety is comes all the way up here. And you think, I don't know, it doesn't seem like that person has it together. When if we've missed a snack and a green turn signal at a busy intersection, our anxiety can be up here and we can be crazy. He says, we are going to provide you a home. We're going to provide you financial advice, life coaching advice. We're going to provide you scripture and give you an opportunity to reduce your anxiety. Don't be anxious. There are amazing opportunities for you. We're going to do so because, as Paul said, whatever we have learned, whatever we've received, whatever we've heard, will be shared with this community in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for those who have gone before us and given their very lives for critical causes. We're grateful for those who took the time to write these stories down and share them with us. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather as a group so that we can be far more powerful for this community. And we ask you to bless us and guide us in nurturing those who need us the most. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you are able and join us in our final hymn, number 529.
Vanessa, welcome. We're so happy to have you and your family here. We are grateful. Happy Mother's Day to those of you who traveled a distance to be with us. We hope you have a safe travel back. Hope you all have an excellent meal this afternoon. If you'll go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.